GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. On Gibraltar today, 2023 was busy for Unite, but what are the union's aims for this year? Unite Chair Chris Yundur looks ahead to 2024. How can we improve our well-being? Doctor and fitness enthusiast Carl Alvarez, yoga instructor Michelle Francis and Michaela Reese from the Gota Libre Running Club joined us in the studio. But first, a BA flight from Gibraltar to London Heathrow was forced to make an emergency landing in France. Our reporter Rosa Stengo covered the story. It's not the sort of thing um, you want to hear just before we're about to take off, that there are faults on the plane that needs repair. But usually... The vast majority of the time, it's a routine thing that needs to happen. On this particular occasion, there was a diversion to France, an emergency uh, landing in France. Although I have just had a response from the government about this, we've also put questions to BA. I'll tell you what they said in a moment. Uh, but they, uh, the government said that the repairs that were carried out in Gibraltar were unrelated to the emergency landing. And that was one of the questions, actually, that I put to BA. Um, So the two repairs that were carried out, as far as we're understanding from passengers, this is not official, uh, this is not confirmed by the airline, it's just anecdotally what we've heard from passengers, uh, was that the the, uh, pilot said that some duct tape had been missing, so that needed to be replaced. Um, Then there was another... Uh, issue that needed fixing at around 7pm last night. They didn't say what that issue was, but then that was fixed and that was when the plane was given the okay to take off. But then, of course, uh, it was forced to make this landing because, as the passengers found out when they landed, um, the, the cockpit filled with fumes. How much? I don't know. Again, we've not had an official line from BA other than for them to say that a technical issue uh, resulted in the diversion to Nantes and that's all that's all they would say. It sounds just like a generally quite a nightmare day of travelling because the flight was supposed to take off earlier in the afternoon so this was a, a long lead up to, to the emergency landing as well. Yeah, so it was supposed to take off at, I think at quarter to five so they didn't have an engineer in Gibraltar so they had to wait for someone to come from Malaga so that caused the first delay and then the second fault was discovered um, and, and like I say, you know, if you're a traveller it, it doesn't inspire you with a huge amount of confidence but nine out of ten 9.9 times out of 10 these things happen and and you get they're quickly safely. resolved yeah mm-hmm. exactly on this one occasion there was a diversion there seems to be a third fault with the plane which resulted in the fumes again we've not had any official information about it all we know is what we're being told by customers what they were told uh, when they landed in Nantes the fire brigade entered the plane but I think there was, I don't think there was any fire, not that they're aware of. Everyone got down, um, uh, you know, safely and were put up. It was all, it all seemed quite efficient and professional. They were put up for the night. And in fact, I think they're already on their way back to the UK now. Uh, we actually did hear from one of those passengers. This is Jack Eccleston. They kept us out of the loop and that was probably, you know, the scariest bit, especially approaching a landing, not knowing what's going on, into turbulence. Yeah, it was quite scary and quite intense. Um, once we got down there, we were met by the fire brigade who quickly rushed up into the cockpit. And a minute later, the pilot announced that there were some fumes in the cockpit and that they had oxygen masks on, hence why they couldn't tell us what was going on. 
Jack Eccleston, just one of the passengers who spoke to us after that emergency landing in France last night. And Ros, obviously completely unrelated, but the timing of the horrific accident, the plane crash in Japan yesterday, where we were, you know, we all saw those yeah. uh, terrifying images on the news. I'm sure that was playing quite heavily on their yeah. minds as they heard these these news updates but of, of their you, own plane. But as you heard from Jack, they were kept largely in the dark. And I think that's actually a good idea. If, I, if it was me up there, I don't think I'd want to know that... The, it probably would have been pure panic otherwise. Yeah, so I think it's just as well that they didn't update um, the, the passengers and that they were blissfully unaware of the fumes. Otherwise, that would have made it a lot more Even more of a frightening them. experience. And apparently it was quite a rough landing. I don't know whether the, if that was due to uh, weather or... I have no idea, but apparently it was a very rough landing as well. So they were all very relieved to get off that plane. Well, we're happy to, to report, as we said, that all passengers are safe. It just yeah. sounds like it was quite uh, an ordeal of a day for them. <laughs> uh, as you said, we have contacted the BA for for comment but yeah. nothing back no, yet. No, they have just limited themselves to saying that, uh, you know, they apologise that there was a technical issue with the plane and that's why they diverted. They wouldn't offer any explanation as to you know, what the what the technical reasons was. Obviously, we have a natural curiosity, particularly those who are on the plane, um, but they're limiting themselves to saying that and I'm, I'm sure it's just one of these things that we're just not really going to find out. We accept that that's their explanation. We're glad that the plane landed without any uh, any significant um, you know after effect and, uh, and and I guess we move on and we continue to fly Kelly as we always do. 2023 was a busy year for Unite the Union, but what does 2024 have in store? Here to tell us about the Union's aims for the year is Unite's Chair, Christian Though, Good afternoon, Christian. Good afternoon. Thank you very Thank much for coming in. Happy New Year. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, Christian, it was a story which dominated headlines for months. In July, Morrison's Unite members accepted a new pay offer by the supermarket after half a year of industrial action, the longest dispute in Unite's history on the rock. Have we seen the last of industrial action at Morrison's as both Unite and the members satisfied with the pay offer that was accepted hopefully we have seen the back of it um uh, obviously it was a, a big story like like you said it's been the longest continuous strike action in the rock um it was a tough six months to be said there was lots of human issues that never were, was never covered but um we're happy we've seen the back of it um we agreed an integration plan with uh, morrison's that's look that's going smoothly and we are looking forward for pay negotiations 2024. So that's really where we are with it. I think it was a real human story. We spoke to some of those affected and they really emphasised how much they were struggling just to make ends meet by the end of every month. And I think that's why it affected um, and, and attracted so much attention as well in the community. Correct. And, and that was, uh, we were highlighting disparities with uh, UK counterparts at the time. But at the end of the day, we balloted members on a pay offer that was uh, overwhelmingly as accepted and um, we are looking forward for pay negotiations and collective bargaining again in 2024. Um, obviously to um, uh, re- relay some, uh, lay some of the issues that our member have, especially with the cost of living. Hopefully those affected have noticed um, that improvement over the last six months or so. Also last year, of course, a general election in the lead up to that, Unite proposed measures it thinks would benefit working people. Now the dust has kind of settled after the election. Has Union managed to discuss these uh, points that you put across to the government since then? Yes, uh, we prepared as uh, we reported and I came here to, to one of the sec- with Jonathan and uh, we prepared, prepared a comprehensive uh, manifesto booklet and we presented that to all the political parties. We've had uh, some commitments from the elected uh, 
uh, GSLP libs, and uh, I'm happy to report that some of uh, the measures that we have managed to um, put in place, and obviously we'll be looking forward to implementation of those measures, both for the public and private sector, because there's also commitments on the public sector. But happily enough, there are a number of uh, measures that will benefit private sector workers. Can you say which measures? Well, yeah, um, and especially after the report yesterday in Mr. Cisalero's uh, book, one of the measures that's got, uh, that uh, there's been commitment around is on the sick leave policies. Um, so we want to see an enhancement in the sick leave, which, to be honest, um, has been stagnant even before Mr. Cisarelos tenure in uh, the TGW and, uh, and Unite. But I do agree with him that uh, more needs to be done in the private sector, that's for sure. Yeah, I was going to put some of his comments to you a little later on in the interview. Um, those sick leave policies just to confirm in the private sector. Correct, correct. That's uh, statutory sick policies to be enhanced. That's one of the, the issues. The other matter is around the, uh, which he raised, which is the zero-hour contracts. Um, we have commitments that the zero-hour zero contracts are going to be abolished in the health sector, but we are looking at, uh, at expanding that widely across uh, the private sector. Do you think that's uh, realistic to expect that this year as well? Obviously, we are looking at the, there is a date for at least for the for the health sector. There's a date which is uh, April May of this year. But that would really transform the the health system. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. So, and and we're talking about um, um, health health sector contractors in in respect to sub, provide support to the health service in Gibraltar. So, yeah, we 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 are looking forward for for that to be uh, to be addressed. At the time, I think before the election, the words Unite use were employment laws are outdated and need reviewing. So apart from, you know, the zero hour contracts and the sick leave policies, what other measures would you really like to see put in place? This well, year? Um, there are a number of issues and uh, um, we've got the um, one of the other matters uh, is the low income earners allowance and then unemployment benefit, which is something that we also raised. Obviously, there is. There is commitment to look at them. There is no commitment to obviously uh, address them, but we intend to push them uh, forward as much as we can because we strongly believe they are outdated, like some other areas within the statutory uh, employment legislation. Now, around that same time, just before the election, the bus company uh, began strike action. In hindsight, do you think that perhaps the timing of that was unfortunate, given that the the election was looming just right around the corner? Well, at the end of the day, it's the members who decide when they want to take strike action. Obviously, as a union, we recommend our members do this or that, but it's up to them, really. You know, it it all was done um, uh, with with a ballot in 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 in, in question, so it. Um, it's, 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 it's what it is. And the reality is we are happy to report that there has been progress in, 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 in respect to the bus. I know there are pending issues, but hopefully it will be addressed ASAP. Oh, OK, because um, it was around, I think, 10 days of industrial action and then the bus service resumed, but no agreement had been made at the time with government. No? So you're still pursuing that deal for, for bus There is an agreement members. already in place for, oh, right, for okay. part of the, uh, for, for the drivers, but there's still some pending uh, issues around the whole of the workforce. Can you give details on the agreement or is it too soon to say? Not really because it doesn't come under my remit so I don't think it's, it's right for me to, to do it. It's different with Morrison's because Morrison's does come under my remit but not the bus service.
Fair enough. Uh, well, as you mentioned in recent days, former trade unionist Charles Cicerello has published a book on his 50 years of experience. And he says unions secure a lot for public sector workers, but fail those in the private sector. You've just touched on that briefly, but uh, what else would you like to say to that? Well, we are more organised. The reality is we are more organised in the public sector than we are in the private sector. That's been a reality uh, uh, going back 20, 30 years. That's a reality. But um, I'm, we're also proud to represent members in the private sector. I myself represent members in the private sector. And, um, I'm, I'm, and it's all about collective bargaining too, at the end of the play. It's about, it's about organising a workplace. It's about membership recruitment. And it's obviously putting the pressure to the employers, especially at the time when the cost of living has been spiralling. So, um, but I do agree that there needs to be focus on the private sector. I do agree with Mr. Cisarello in that respect. But some of the stuff he raised, uh, that was an issue at this time when he was at the TGW and, uh, and Unite too. Uh, he also said that there's a divide between our younger generation and unions. Uh, what would you say Unite does in order to interest uh, the younger members to get involved? I know there's been stuff in the pipeline. I know it's not materialised. They're like uniting schools and stuff like that, stuff that happens that happens in the UK. Um, but it's also true that it's not unique to Gibraltar. I, I represent Gibraltar in, in, in the UK and there are issues with uh, attracting the youth into into unions that is a reality and not only in the uk in spain is exactly the same so it goes across europe really um it's it, and I, and i and i need to raise the fact that um i think kevin Ray, raised in in his in his program that uh, you know there's been it's a changed world in gibraltar now when we used to maybe going back to the 70s and 80s where the, the change work, of culture perhaps yes, change of culture the workplace more solidarity in the workplace the parties used to be different than what we enjoy today. Houses used to be open. People used to go from one house to... So there, there is a change. It is a changed world. But obviously we need to do more. Well, looking ahead to 2024, what are you hoping to do more? What do you think will be the biggest challenges people will be facing this year? Well, the, the, the cost of living crisis, obviously, is, it comes, comes to mind. Um, we have already uh, engaged on a first negotiation, especially for private sector workers at Resolve, where we have agreed a a four percent, and this has been like done this week, a four percent increase uh, across the board for for all workers there at Resolve, um, consolidated and uh, implemented from the first of January. So it's about collective bargaining. We want to obviously push, and we and we urge people to join the union. We want to push. Uh, obviously, and help workers across the private sector and the public sector too, because let's not forget that we want to engage government on public sector pay as well. So so um, the cost of living does come to mind, to be honest. Yeah, definitely something that's affecting everyone. Yeah. Uh, so 2024 planning, uh, looking to be another very busy year for the union. If you are, if anyone young is listening and you're saying you want to entice more youngsters to get involved with the union, uh, what would you say to them? Obviously, uh, try the union. Uh, myself, you know, I, I remember... When I joined, I joined Unite in, the, in 1987, and the reason was simply because, as happened in Morrison's or happened at the buses, you know, I, I found myself just on day one having issues at the workplace where 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 the dockyard was having was struggling, and we had AP Apple Door and GSL issue. So I, I would tell people join a union because the reality at some point you're going to need them, and uh, obviously we want to see a new generation coming forward and obviously taking the places that we are all obviously looking forward at some point to retire, you know, and we need the, the younger generation coming in.
Well, many people start the year saying new year, new me, but perhaps is it more realistic to just focus on small ways we can improve our well-being? I'm joined by some experts in the field, doctor and fitness enthusiast Carl Alvarez, yoga instructor Michelle Francis and Michaela Reese from the Gotha Livre Running Club. They're all in the studio. Good afternoon. afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So Carl, perhaps if we could start with you as our medical professional, uh, what would you say, I mean, taking those first steps at the beginning of the year can be really daunting. So what would you say we should focus on in in terms of our well-being after what's been a very indulgent month for many of us? Yeah. Um, So things to focus on I think the, the things that people focus on the most are probably diets and exercise. Um, and what people want to do is just improve their overall health and well-being. And very often people focus on fitness, but fitness is only one aspect of, of health. So when people say that they want to be healthy, I always say, you know, don't just focus on fitness. Think of diet. Think of your mental health and well-being. Think of like more broadly, you know, your social circles, lots of ways that you can to become healthier. Definitely. Um, Michelle, I think you're well known. I hope you don't mind me describing you this way, but you're well known in the community as almost being, a, I think of you as a yoga goddess. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do to feel good, both That's mentally... Pedestal, both mentally, no pressure. Uh, yeah, but what do you do? What do you recommend to feel good, both mentally and physically? Do you know, it's been a journey and it continues to be a journey. Uh, there were times and years when I would put pressure on myself and I think weeks before, this is going to be a year, this is going to be an impactful resolution and I'd do them and I'd stick to them and they were, I suppose, what paved the way. Today, uh, my year's resolution is, it comes from the um, Eastern uh, practices called Wu Wei, which translates to the path of least resistance. It might seem like I'm giving myself an easy ride, but it's actually uh, being very present and very aware. And many a time we come through many challenges, obstacles, uh, ego trips, having to prove yourself. um, And it's really ironing all of that out and just thinking what needs doing to the best of my ability without the struggles, without the strives. And maybe it's because I have challenged myself in the past that I'm now ready for the Wu Wei, the path of uh, least resistance. I read something online yesterday. Uh, instead of calling them New Year's resolutions, which kind of comes with um, pressure, another connotations of oppressing yourself and you have to be resolute in something, perhaps we can change the wording to New Year's New Year practices yes. and you're practicing on doing something and if you, you you fail one day that's okay because it's all a practice and you're working towards a goal. Making it sustainable. Exactly, sustainable. Uh, Michaela, the last couple of mornings coming into work at 6.30, I've actually noticed an increase in joggers and runners. Um, everyone seems yes. to be very motivated at the moment. <laughs> so that must be music to your ears as an avid runner yourself. Absolutely. We've all noticed as well. And um, and we've all been running this week because, as you know, we run on a Saturday morning, but we also do uh, bank holiday runs as well. So um, we were actually out on Saturday, Sunday and Monday this week. Um, That's more we running had... I've done in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> but do bear in mind, it's not just running. We have the walking group now as well. So, you know, and we also have people who just come and they just come along and help marshal and they carry the bags for the people who are running and walking and then we go for a nice breakfast afterwards. So it's sort of resonating what Carl was saying. It's very much about well-being, about socialising, about sort of your, your mental health. So we, we're not focused on the running. You don't have to be a good runner. I don't class myself as a good runner. I'm, I'm not the worst. I'm not, I'm not the best. I'm somewhere in the middle. But it makes me very happy. And 
and that's why I carry on doing it. It boosts the endorphins, which totally. is so important. Yeah. And as you said, Carl, it's not all about the the exercise and, and, you know, losing weight and all that kind of thing that there's so much pressure to achieve, especially at the beginning of a year. But if we can focus on the physical benefits for a second and the physical benefits of exercising in particular and just moving our bodies. Absolutely. I mean, the benefits of exercise are, are so widespread. Like, um, in physical terms, I mean, it helps you to reduce and maintain your weight. It helps to prevent cardiovascular disease, such as um, heart disease and stroke. Um, it helps to maintain our joints, our muscles, our bone health. Um, it also helps our mental health, you know, to reduce and those stresses from day to day. But there's also very good evidence for, ben- uh, for exercise in the management of anxiety and depression. Um, and then even more broadly, you know, it helps cognition, it helps concentration, it helps with our sleep, it helps to prevent dementia in, late, uh, in later life. So the, the benefits of, of exercise, you know, are, are well proven um, and, and it, helps, it helps us to be healthy. Yeah, and uh, stress is such a good uh, stress buster. And uh, stress can and the, the mind-body connection, it has such a, an effect, not on us physically and how that can have, you know, on the flip side, the effects that stress can have and poor mental health can have on how we feel physically. Ab- absolutely. Most of the people that I train with, if you ask them, why do you exercise? Few of them will say to maintain my fitness. Most of them say it's to help my mental health, to help my, my mental well-being. Um, it, it just helps them day to day. A lot. Oh, oh, go for it, Michaela. I had a bit of the uh, the blues yesterday after my first day in work, and I did drag myself out for a quick run in the evening, a sunset run, and it was absolutely wonderful. And it was only three kilometres. I did so a very very short run, and I went home. Three kilometres had... more than what many would have done <laughs> yesterday. So massive, well done. I had a huge boost from that, and I felt I felt really positive afterwards, and I did sleep much better. And, and there's so much to say from that. You know, you, you commented, Kelly, on the on the three kilometres. It really doesn't matter how much you do. I think it's more important uh, to get into a routine and do things regularly. And on those days where you find it hard, find it hard to, to find the time or you just don't have the energy, just get yourself out to do something. You know, there's evidence that all we need to do is 30 minutes per day. But, you know, even if we do slightly less, as long as you do something, if nothing else, you'll feel better sort of like mentally. And perhaps it's less daunting if you think I'm going to go for a 10 minute walk and then maybe the next day you can build up to 15 and it's all about those little baby steps to, yeah, to building and, it and up. When, when we talk about goal setting, in particularly in the context of New Year's resolutions, like we always talk about smart goals, you know, make sure that they're specific, measurable, achievable, realistic and timed. You know, so if you just say I'm going to get fitter or I'm going to lose weight, that's that's not enough. You know, you, you're, you're destined to fail if you do that. Tell yourself, I want to lose X amount of weight in this amount of time. I would like to walk this distance by this time. It becomes a lot more achievable. You can, you can actually see the light at the end of the tunnel. You mentioned there about losing weight and I'm seeing a lot of ads now on social media in particular, um, all this pressure on the focus of losing weight, shedding pounds um, and, and just so much pressure at the beginning of a year. Does this make it less sustainable, more less realistic to be able to stick to, to these goals? Should it be more about how we're feeling rather than how we're looking? I mean, the, the evidence for, you know, being a normal weight for your height is there, you know, that the health benefits of, of being a normal weight are, are there. It prevents sort of, uh, a, a number of diseases such as diabetes and others. 
there is a lot of pressure because I think that a lot of diets are, are commercial. Um, but with regards to having a sustainable diet, um, you know, there are lots of fad diets out there. You know, the, uh, over the years, there's been uh, the Atkins diet, keto diet. There's all sorts of this fasting. You c- those aren't sustainable. Okay, I think people need to have a healthy, balanced diet. Aim to lose weight. Be realistic. Don't try and do too much at once, um, and then just get into a routine. Once you're in, into a routine of a normal diet, then it becomes a lot more sustainable and achievable. I'm sure as a yoga instructor as well, Michelle, you can uh, kind of vouch for the fact that if you're moving your body and you're working on your your core and your strength and you're feeling well balanced in yourself, that will just help you feel better about yourself and just make you move with more confidence as well. Absolutely. There's an element where the body, well, it does need. It's like, for example, we're here and we've hardly moved anything other than our lips and our necks and we're in an enclosed space. So as much as possible, as you do with your running and you do with all of your fitness challenges, is get out into the open air as much as possible. Move your body to be able to expand the lungs. You know, we all think about fitness and weight But also think about vitality, you know, what creates a good vitality, a good energy in the body is being in the elements, like if you go and earth yourself in the beach, you're hearing the ocean waves, you're smelling the sea, even if you're not doing it consciously that you've just gone for a stroll, the benefits are limitless. And that boosts your energy, your vitality. Um, So something like, you might think it's a little bit of a new age, the word aura, but energy is something that's almost tangible. And you can tell if somebody comes with good energy, with low energy, with a revved up energy. And really life is all about balance and focus on boosting your energy, but being very, very balanced. And um, stretching is definitely something that we need because we're sat in chairs. And most of the time now we're looking at eye level, but most of the time the head that's so heavy, if you lie down flat and you say only lift your head for 30 seconds, I tell you, it's, it's a heavy weight. So if you have a phone or a laptop or a computer and you're projecting your neck forwards and your jaw either forwards or down, the element on the neck and the shoulders and the middle lower thoracic back will be a knock-on effect, not today or tomorrow, not next month not next year. But if you think that none of us are getting any younger, we will all like to get to our mature years. How would you like to mature? Look at the older generation and see them as examples and see what you would like to do to rectify that so that you're not got a hunchback, you don't have a stiff neck, it doesn't give you migraines because circulation doesn't get to your brain. So all of these little corrective measures, just by awareness, you don't have to do anything too grand, just small steps with awareness on how you want to be in your future years. And mentally as well, I mean, the less we use screens, I think the better for all of us. And Michaela, Michelle mentioned about being one with nature and getting out there. I'm sure Mm. comparing a run, uh, you know, on a treadmill compared to running out, I mean, it's a completely different experience, isn't it? Completely different. I I won't um, run on a a treadmill for that reason. Um, When you were talking then, um, it's sort of, I was almost there with you, (laughs) feeling all of those things and seeing those things, because that's what I do when I run. I find, um, you know, I have exactly what you were describing, Michelle. I, I have a desk job. 
job and I sit most of the day and I have the laptop and I have the heavy heads and all of those things and I find that when I go running that's when I focus on my posture I focus on my form I actually start to take in the world around me you know I, I, I notice the smells and the sounds and the feelings and, and I feel like I'm almost practicing mindfulness without making a conscious effort to do so it just happens naturally because I can't do anything else when I'm running because I'm moving my body and I'm very conscious of my body and I love the way that that feels and and as I say I know we keep talking about running but it doesn't have to be running we all start from somewhere and starting just like you were saying earlier 10 minutes walk a day that that's enough that really is enough so we've got a a 3.5k walk that we started on on the Saturdays as well which runs alongside our running and you don't have to do the full 3.5 you just do what you're comfortable with and the time that you're comfortable with and then build it up slowly because it's all about it's about growth rather than I mean I know you were talking about goals earlier but maybe not even having a goal maybe it's about having a growth and having a tangible measure as Carl was saying and saying well I want to grow to this point but leaving yourself further to grow again and and making it real and those smart goals weren't they that you mentioned you know that sounds really sensible to me definitely well I'm afraid we were going to have to wrap up but you guys you could be here all day <laughs> uh, you've certainly inspired me but uh, Carl just to finish off if you can each give me like a closing remark Carl some top tips then uh, for making those smart choices and those smart goals for ourselves in 2024 yeah I think that whatever you choose to do it doesn't need to be taxing okay it, it should be enjoyable um, so that might mean you know doing it with someone else you know so try and making it more sociable if you're dieting, it doesn't mean that you can't go out to dinner. It actually might improve your dining experience. So just a, a, any goal that you set yourself, it doesn't need to be taxing. So think of ways to make it fun. Lovely. And Michaela, uh, Carl just mentioned socialising as well. A very big element of your club. Oh, 100%. We we have, we're, we're open to everybody. You just turn up nine o'clock on a Saturday morning, 100 ton gun. You don't need to pre-register or anything like that. There's no prerequisites at all. Um, just come along and say hello. And Michelle, steps that we can take as from today, right from this afternoon to improve our day and our year ahead awareness into not taking life so seriously because we identify with this character that we are with this name with where we work and everything impacts us on an emotional level from the outside in and we live in a very multi-sensory society and I'm glad now with all of these special needs that they're now paying attention and having less sensory uh, like less fireworks and things like that and at the fair so um when you think that you bring yourself into the here and now, we're a tiny speck in a limited space of time, in a tiny globe, in a universe. It's like, really, do I need to? Will this make a difference in my life in five years' time? That person that cut me off in the in the zebra crossing. No, that border queue of two and a half hours. Is that going to make a difference in ten years' time? No. So what am I going to do? Just shut off the world, take a few deep breaths, take it on my stride and not suffer the small stuff and just keep focused and keep inspired. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.